Welcome to the Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Epsom Father podcast. Uh, excited, getting very professional here. Uh, excited to share with you my new intro. Uh, and I think it's, I had a different episode planned for today, but as I was thinking about the intro coming in and uh, about how that came to be, it it had me think about another topic that I want to talk about today, which is this concept of uh, relationships and community. Um, and when I talk about relationships, I really am talking about healthy relationships. And one of the things that I realized uh, recently or through this journey of um, really healing from the impacts of growing up with an absent father is that I didn't really know what it was like to have a healthy relationship. And uh, how it relates to the song that you just heard is that's actually from uh, a good friend of mine, Scott Ginsberg. Uh, you can check him out at scottginsberg.com. He's uh, a creative genius, uh, a wonderfully kind-hearted man. He's written a bunch of books uh, written an album, Folk Rock Opera. That song is called Head Up, Heart Higher, which I think was actually written just for this podcast. It is absolutely perfect. One of the first lines is, fire this fearful longing. So how that came to be and why it relates to today is that um, when I first met Scott, it was about five years ago, uh, he was dating a friend of my wife's and I heard a little bit about this guy, you know, he's, he, you, you can Google him. He, he has this, uh, name tag that's, he built a brand off of, uh, wearing a name tag. So he's called the name tag guy and very successful brand, successful speaker, writer, all these things. And the thing that's, um, amazing about Scott is that he's super healthy. He's the real deal. And when I was, when I first met him, I really liked him. I connected with him, but there was something that just was hard to be with. And I realized that what was hard to be with was that he was a healthy person. Um, I didn't feel better than him. Um, I didn't feel like I could control him. And of course, this is all unconscious, but I realized that I wasn't very good at having a healthy relationship. And one of the things that's really cool is that we've remained friends as I've grown healthier and healthier, whether it's through therapy or some of the recovery work that I've done. Um, I've learned how to be healthier in relationship, how to actually be in community with someone. And as an example, I think that this song really represents it for me, which is, uh, you know, Scott and I, we talk, you know, every week or two and we've kept this up. He lives in Brooklyn. I live in uh, San Francisco. And we've kept this relationship up over the last four years. And using his song for my podcast, which is just perfect, I don't know that that would have happened uh, four years ago. I would have been too afraid to ask or feel like I was taking advantage. I just didn't know how to 
how to have a give and take in relationship. So I want to talk about what healthy relationships are, what community is. And if you're like me, uh, I have found community to be a difficult thing. Um, I know people. uh, I have a lot of friends. And I'm learning more and more about how to be in community. But for years, it was very hard. I was really good at helping other people, uh, showing up for them. But it always felt like when it was time uh, for people to show up for me, it just didn't feel like they were there. And I probably went into some blame or, you know, maybe if I just moved to a different place or I had a different circle of friends or I tried harder, maybe they would be there. But what I realize now is that it's more about my discomfort with allowing support. It's about my discomfort with uh, showing up messy. And that all plays out in relationship. Um, When I think about community, what I think about is, you know, people being there to help each other. I mean, when we think about community, I I hear a lot, a lot of people in, I don't know if it's just my generation or just the people that I'm surrounded by, but a lot of people yearning for community. And when I think about what that really means and how I avoid community, I'm usually avoiding community because I, I don't ask for help when I need it. So rather than asking for help when I need it, you know, whether it's this weekend, I needed a wire cutter. I don't really know my neighbors, so I didn't ask them. But even if I did, I probably wouldn't have gone and knocked on their door to ask them for these wire cutters. I was fixing the vacuum. And the other key element of community is that you're willing to show up in community regardless of how you feel. So typically, and and maybe this is true for most people, I don't know, but you know, when it comes to even, you know, close friends and they, they ask, you know, do you want to hang out? Do you want to, do you want to do something together? It typically first goes into how am I feeling about myself? And, you know, I'm always, certainly if I'm feeling bad or not feeling good, then I'm probably going to say no to hanging out. I'm probably not alone in this regard. I think that what I want to pinpoint is what we're saying no to. And Essentially, what we're saying no to or why we're saying no is because we're afraid to be seen in a vulnerable state. We're afraid to be seen when we aren't perfect. And it's a killer to community because, you know, whoever I'm saying no to, they don't know that it's because I'm just not feeling good about myself. In fact, that likely would make me more lovable, more um, desirable in a community is that authenticity and the sense of, oh, you're not perfect either. Like the best communities I've ever known are the ones where we've, we've actually shared all of ourselves, the, the good stuff and the not so great stuff, uh, or we've actually suffered or overcome something together. And so when we're saying no to community, when I'm saying no to community, I'm really saying no to being seen. And the irony is at the core of why we yearn for community is because we want to be seen. We want to be known that we're safe and protected however we are. And that we have somebody that we can count on when we need help, when we need support. So there's 
community in the broader sense and there's healthy relationships and I would have you consider that it really comes down to a fear of being seen for who we truly are. Now, that probably, I'm sure, is not only unique to people who grew up with an absent father, obviously. Otherwise, we would all be in community uh, and connected all the time. But people who grew up with an absent father are particularly sensitive to this, I would suggest, because um, with that sense of loss and abandonment growing up, we became extra sensitive to not being uh, abandoned or experiencing loss. So with that, with that extra sensitivity also came uh, extra strategies or ways of protecting ourselves. So in a broader sense of a community, it's only showing up when you're feeling good or you're feeling perfect. Another way that it shows up is when we feel like we are contributing enough in the relationship. And what I'd have you consider is that from this uh, strategy that we create, we seek out relationships where we feel good enough so that we can show up. And one of the ways that we feel good enough is by measuring uh, what we're giving to the relationship, uh, how we're earning the relationship. And when, we're, when we feel like we're earning or we're doing enough, then that means we get to be connected and we feel somewhat safe in the relationship. When we're not doing enough, whatever that, however you measure that in this particular relationship, when we're not, then we tend to either uh, feel miserable or more likely we pull back from the relationship so, in order, so that we can avoid uh, being hurt or being with uh, someone's disappointment or that feeling of not being enough in relationship. And I want to tell a specific story about how this showed up for me and really the profound cost of doing relationships this way. So one of the cool things that came out of my, uh, my, my father was that when I was a uh, around age 12, 13, um, I can't remember the exact arena. It's a little fuzzy is in terms of the details and dates. But just before I met my father, I found out that I actually had three sisters, uh, three half-sisters that were his children, um, who he also was estranged from throughout his life, um, which was pretty cool. And they are amazing women. Uh, two older, one younger, Tanya, Amelia, and Alicia. There may be another one out there somewhere, but I don't know them. And, you know, it started out uh, when I found out that I had sisters, you know, again, I felt like there was some way that I needed to be as a brother. And two years ago, my sister, my youngest sister, Alicia, she got married in Virginia Beach, Virginia, beautiful beach wedding. And we've, you know, I've stayed uh, on and off connected to my sisters, didn't grow up with them, you know, but we've seen each other throughout the years. We try to stay in touch, try to uh, stay up on what's happening. But I noticed that uh, when I got the invite to the wedding, you know, I wasn't sure. Um, 
if I wanted to go, I mean, I, I wanted to go, but, you know, I was flying across the country and spending a lot of money to be there. And, you know, of course, if it was easy to get to, it would have been obvious that I would have attended. Um, but thankfully, my wife really uh, pushed me. She she often has the wisdom and insight on these sort of things to, to move me um, to things that matter. And I, I went to the wedding. It was absolutely beautiful. I got to really uh, bond and connect with my sisters in a way that I never really had, which I think is due in large part to the fact that uh, I had been doing a lot of work on myself and learning to accept more love and to be with, uh, be with connection, be, with, be in relationship with people. And it was really poignant with my sisters in particular because I realized that I had kind of cut myself out or uh, determined that I wasn't really worthy of being in relationship with them because I wasn't the kind of brother I, sh- I thought I should be. I don't know where I got the image of who I was supposed to be, but the common denominator between them and basically every other relationship in my life was that in order to be in relationship with someone, in order to be loved, I had to perform something. I had to earn it. And when you do it that way, uh, there's only so many people you can be in relationship with. If you, if you, you know, if there's some machine in my brain that is always making up. Well, in order to be in relationship with my sisters, you know, in order to be worthy of their love and to be, you know, worthy of being in relationship with them and to be good enough, well, I obviously need to send them a birthday present each year. I should be calling and checking in with them weekly. Uh, I should be sending cards and, you know, setting up saving bonds for their kids. Um, I should have obviously already been at, you know, my other two sisters' weddings and, you know, met their kids and um, done all of this stuff just to be worthy of being in relationship with them. And since I wasn't that, well, then I should just stay away because to be in relationship with that meant being with the pain of not being good enough once again. And it also meant risking being disapproved of or abandoned. And when we were at the wedding, um, meant so much to my, my sister Alicia, which just moved me to tears, meant so much to my sister Amelia and to Tanya. And what I realized is that I was putting this not good enough thing in the way of relationship and I made it all up all my sisters wanted from me was to be present to be with them and what they taught me was that I didn't need to do anything to earn their love I learned that lesson from my sisters that more than anything and maybe more than most people on the planet is that they loved me just for being who I was, which was completely mind-blowing to me, but it's always stuck with me. And it taught me about all the relationships in my life, whether it's a long-lost friend that I haven't talked to in two years, or it's my wife, or 
it's members of my family that I can be connected, I can be in relationship, I can love them and they can love me. But it doesn't imply that I have to do a bunch of stuff. And in fact, when I put the doing a bunch of stuff in the way, it actually cuts off relationship, it cuts off connection. So by learning that relationships don't have to be this teeter-totter of performance or I don't have to constantly be monitoring whether I've done enough to be worthy of relationship. Now I can be free to uh, hold lots of people in my heart because I don't have this uh, constant sense of performance in terms of what I need to do for each of these people. And what that allows is actually community and connection and love. And so that is one of the greatest things that I've learned over the last few years. And speaking of one of the greatest things that I've learned over the last few years, I don't think this episode would be complete without uh, just briefly discussing a little bit about how I've learned more and more to create healthy relationships, how I've learned to create community. And something that has been instrumental in my journey there is a... 12-step recovery program called Adult Children of Alcoholics, and uh, it's ACA for short. Um, But the program, uh, you know, I know that 12-step recovery sounds very like a big deal to some people, but um, really what this program is about, it's a a process of healing um, and completion. And although... uh, I didn't have an alcoholic in my home. Uh, it's really not just about alcoholism. Alcoholism is the identifier, but when we think about alcoholism, what it really means is there's a lack of presence, and the extreme of that is alcoholism. So the program is about healing from the impacts of growing up when you had an absent uh, or unpresent parent. And uh, through that process, just help me. It, it's a remarkable healing uh, process and journey. And I just had to say, you know, if you're looking for a free resource, if there's something that strikes a chord with the things that I'm talking about, one of the greatest things that has supported me in healing my relationship to myself and to others uh, and to a higher power, the 12 step recovery program uh, called Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, has been absolutely amazing. The best part about it is that it is 100% free, uh, and you can find out more about them if you just Google Adult Children of Alcoholics, the website with a list of meetings, both virtually um, and around the world uh, will show up there. You can just type in your zip code. And I think I'm going to wrap the episode there. You've been listening to the Absent Father podcast, a show where we discuss weekly, the impacts of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome those impacts and the superpowers that you create along the way. Uh, Please reach out if you have any questions or comments. You can get me at me, that's M-E, at RodneyMiller.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And finally, if you'd like to support, support me and support this podcast, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It's the Uh, easiest way to uh, promote the podcast. It basically 
tells, I believe, iTunes that people are listening and that people should check it out. So thank you very much, and until next time. Hey.